four guys in a comic. Here's four guys that learned the hard way that the lasso of truth shouldn't be used in a bedroom. Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome back, everyone, to that new Saturday. Four guys in a comic. This is Tap, and with me, as always, we have Red Skull, <laughs> Nova, hello, and Rusty. Howdy. The Surfer Guardian. So, <laughs> um, with a howdy accent. <laughs> howdy. So I was gone last week, um, having a new baby. Well, my wife had the baby. I didn't have the baby. She had the baby. Um, but yeah, we have a new little uh, four guys. Uh, There's a little guy in the family. There's a little, a little four guy, guy in the family. Yeah. Did you guys all see that shirt that my friend had, had awesome. made? Yeah. I know. There's four guys baby wear out there. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. I had no idea. I was over at his house, and I, I had on my four guys hoodie, and he's like, oh, this is even better. And I was like, what? And he hands this to me, and he goes, and his wife was sitting there, too. She's like, I, you got to open it. I got to see your face. And I was like, all right. And he goes, hopefully you don't get mad that I took some liberties. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And I open it up and I pull it out and it was it had like the original logo on it. It was like a little like baby like t shirt like six month like t shirt thing with like the original four guys logo on it. Um and I was like, Oh my god, this is so cool. So that is cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Neat little gift for, for baby Garrick. Um great name. But yeah, so I've been busy this week. Um, how have you guys been? Good. Living the dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Lots of reading. I mean, after after you know having a having a bringing a new person into the world, I don't know if anything I did would even compare. <laughs> I, did you take any person I, out? I, I made I was it. I made it, yeah, I made it through the week on one tank of gas, so that was pretty good. There you go. <laughs> That's always yeah, a bonus. That's a good feeling, especially at those Canadian oh gas my prices. God, man, seriously, I mean, it's rising every day. <laughs> well, this week um, I was challenged by multiple people, um, Nova being one of them, over the course of this last year, to uh, read Valiant. I've never read Valiant, a comic, a day in my life. Um, I've always meant to, but just I just never got around to it. I'm not going to lie. I just, I just never did. So this week I was like, okay, what can we discuss in the round table? And I was like, you know what? I was challenged to read Valiant, so therefore I'm going to challenge the rest. Well, we know Nova already did, but I was like, I'm going to challenge uh, Red and Rusty to read some Valiant as well. So I, we all sat down this week and we read the first four issues of the 2012 reboot of Exo Man of War uh, that Robert Venditti did. And uh, so that was kind of our challenge, and I believe we all read it, right? Everybody read the four issues? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. It was supposed to be the four issues? Yes. Well, damn it, Tap. I'm going to tell you something. That shit was so good, I went past four issues. Wow. All right? Really? <laughs> I loved it. And I could have really? put it down. Yes. No, it was really good. I'm going to say that That's right now, was. too. I was Holy crap. thoroughly <laughs> surprised. I read all four issues in probably about 45 minutes, which is like a yep. record for me. And... Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I had no I, idea Valiant was so graphic. Even on my trip to Dallas this like today because I had to make a quick trip to Dallas. I was still reading it in the car on the way to Dallas as Reagan was driving, and I'm just like, okay, let's just keep going. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, like, I didn't realize how valiant or uh, how graphic Valiant is. It yeah. that was graphic. Yeah. Yep. I was cutting off appendages and arms and everything everywhere. Yeah. The best graphic scene that I read, I think, it was in issue five. Yeah, With Ninjack. Ninja. Yeah, he takes his hand through the guy's chest and pulls out his yeah. heart. I was like, oh, that was yeah, it's, sweet. Uh, they, it's weird. Yes. They they blurt out cursing, but they're like beheadings and just i was about to say that guy's <laughs> hand just gets cuts off and flops off yeah. somewhere yeah they yeah. just straight up cut yeah. his hand off like it was nothing i was like oh yeah I, I couldn't believe it so uh no i'm definitely glad that uh i've been challenged i guess to read valiant because i i like you guys i i really really um enjoyed it i think issue one was a little slow at first, yes. uh, but it, it was, really it was, picked up. It was up. character development. It was definitely Correct. character development. Yeah. That was the thing, though, like re- because looking at the cover of the first issue, and you know, you get the whole idea of the suit and the guy in space and everything. Because every time I hear the word, you know, the name Exo Manowar, I always get the idea of this guy flying through space or whatever. Yep. But the first issue being like in what is it ancient rome 402 ad rome yeah mm-hmm. ancient rome and then you're like how does this relate to space it's great. And, exactly and i was just like, as confused what is this? and so that's why i was like okay i'm through issue one i guess i kind of get it then issue two just exploded and that was yep. the thing yeah issue two really took it home and really made it like a and solid then issue rate. three and four was just straight action yeah you guys are making me very happy but keep going past four rusty um, it gets even yeah better. i did read five i read through five and then i ran out of time i i really didn't have a whole lot of uh reading time between other things i was trying to get done this week too so i did get through issue five though and, and i was enjoying it so now it makes me wonder so since nova's our household valiant guy um I got so I got I did some trading on some hardcovers this week. I've been doing actually a lot of trading. Me and Nova have been going back and forth. And I'm like, I just traded this. I just did this. I just should I do this? It's like the like, stock market with this doing, guy. It is like a stock market. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of trades. I can't help it. Been getting some good trades going on. Um, but anyways, on one of the trades, um, there's a guy. I've, hopefully he listens. I'm gonna give him a shout out here, um, Joshua. He uh, does a Valiant podcast. And uh, he, we were talking about it, and I said I'd never read Valiant before. And so I hooked him up with some old, uh, actually a whole bunch, of uh, Hellblazer issues. And uh, he sent me some books, and then he threw in some Valiant. So he threw in uh, the Trade of Faith, mm. and then the number one issue of uh, Harbinger Renegades, with art actually Derek by Robinson. Derek Robertson, which we all know we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. And then he also sent me a Stalin verse number one, Divinity Three, uh, by Matt Kent, who is somebody I would love to get on the show eventually as well. I've heard Stalin um, verse is cool. Yeah. So Nova, can you can you tell? Me, Faith doesn't seem like it would be a graphic book no, like no, Exo no. Manowar was, but I'm assuming that like Divinity and Harbinger, these like these are all yeah. gonna be like more graphic and pretty violent. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, I got a few things to say. First of all, I'm really happy. I'm glad. I'm, I'm super happy. Like, like, I've been telling people to read Valiant. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'm sure it's good. No, it's like it's great. It's it's you don't expect it. Um, See, and that's the thing. You know, it's it's on your pile. It's on your yeah. to do list, and you say, yeah, I'm gonna get to. It, I'm gonna get to it. When somebody finally says you gotta do it, then you're like, holy crap. I should have done this yeah. a long time ago. And like I was yeah. I was a little skeptical. I was asking Tab, I'm like I'm like, Tap, it gets better in the second arc. Like when Ninjak, that's when it really picks up. The first one's kinda slow. 
um and i still stand by that but i'm glad you guys like the first arc uh i i love when I, I it was like 2013 and i discovered valiant the reboot and i just started reading I'm like excellent like, this is unbelievable like how did i never read this before and then harbingers yeah. and I'm, my mind's being blown archer and armstrong bloodshot my god oh this is just reading actually i take that back i have read a little bit of archer and armstrong before because i was told it's pretty funny um so i did read a little bit of archer and armstrong in the past yeah. but not a whole that's lot. like the least graphic i'd say yeah that one wasn't very graphic which is why when i read exo i was like oh, oh yeah. i ex- was not expecting if this if you read bloodshot you'll be like exo that's the one i want to read that, like, jeff lemire did that yeah one, right? well he did the the reboot reborn the first one was like um I don't, I don't remember the gentleman's name but yeah exo manual was like exo manual is like pg and then bloodshot's like rated r where it's it's even more hardcore but um wait did you say exo is pg compared to yes, bloodshot yes <laughs> it wow. is absolutely um yeah i'm i'm glad i mean you can't go wrong with exo harbinger um bloodshot even if you want to start at reborn he gives you a little throwback to everything that's happened so far um unity's like their team book it's really good i really like that it's written by matt kent um yeah divinity is oh man divinity is amazing i love divinity it's so good the first two were uh, amazing i haven't read any of the third one yet but stalin versus a good idea i like it yeah <laughs> i like the idea of it and they have like one shots for like bloodshot who's like uh he's got like the soviet mm-hmm. he's got the soviet sign yeah. on his chest instead of the the red the dot red yeah dot. it's great yeah it's awesome and rise amazing ninjack oh my god it's just so much so See, everybody keeps saying everything that I've read because also part of the the this Facebook collectors group that I'm on where I've been doing all these hardcover trades, um, everybody's been going nuts on there for Valiant Deluxe yep. books, the hardcovers, um, and everybody goes on and on about Exo Man and War being great, Archer and Armstrong, Quantum and Woody, uh, all of those ones, but everybody says Rye is kind of like a that always seems to be at the bottom of everyone's list, it seems. It seems like Ninjak, Bloodshot, all of them are kind of like up here, and then Rai is sort of I love Rai. down here. Man, Clayton Crane huh? artwork, all on every single issue is is. is oh, wow. you gotta love it's Clayton so Crane. That's wow. amazing. Okay. Studley. His yeah. ghostwriter was phenomenal. Yeah. Carnage is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, God. Carnage was dope, too. He's great on it. I, I enjoy that book. The bottom of my list is, is Shadow Man. It was just not very good. Um, which maybe just I, don't know, I, cu- I couldn't get into faith F- yeah that's I also yeah faith is another one it's it's yeah. a it's the batgirl the problem where it's not really meant for for us it's like you know i for- will say though you know with faith though it's kind of like okay i've never read a faith comic but if you put a picture of faith up there i know who the hell it is yeah. you know yep. what i mean yeah. it's come yep. to be like one of those pop characters culture. yeah pop culture icon kind of yeah. things and um, I know there's a million people out there that knows what Harley Quinn looks like, but yeah. have probably never read a damn Harley Quinn book in their life. Well, like, so. I mean, which is why they're all fans. If of you it. think about it, <laughs> exactly. If you think about it, is there any female character in comics that looks the way Faith does? Because I mean, that's sort of like not at all. They're all like super sexy, like all except for like oh. the the fat girl in U.S. Avengers or something. Big Bertha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Big uh, Bertha. What, what about Invincible? All right, fair Invincible? enough, fair enough. Yeah. I was going to say, um, so. Spider-Woman was pregnant for a while. <laughs> well, pregnant, I mean. 
But that's well, not she was still fit different. as hell when she was pregnant. But that's not like <laughs> Faith though. Faith and and even in, compared to Invincible, like yeah, she put on a little bit. But Faith is like obese. I don't know. Faith was like a really big thing. I remember when Faith One came out and it just literally flew off the yeah. shelves. Like we were getting all the emails yeah. and everybody was saying like how amazing it was mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I, I have it right here. I have the first four issues anyway in a trade that I got. I have yet to read it, but uh, I, I will. I definitely will get around to it. But I, I, I got to say, my interest in Valiant has been peaked a lot this week. Yeah, I was even looking at some of the stuff online on eBay for Exo Man of War, and the individual issues are around cover price or yeah, less. Yeah, you can get bundles for cases. super cheap, like even in Canada. Yes. I mean, people are just and letting com- it go by them. Well, unless you get the deluxe books. If you're a hardcover collector, apparently these deluxe books are flying off the shelves and are about to be out of print. Mm-hmm. And I called mm-hmm. you know, my local comic shop, and he's like, Valiant? You want Valiant? He goes, I'll tell you what, get a short box, fill it up, a quarter an issue. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I was just like, uh, uh, you have an XO? He's like, oh, yeah, I got tons. <laughs> yeah. of, you probably got the whole run here. Got a quarter? Pick up an issue. I'm like, okay. I, I think it's just because nobody knows. Like, I mean, like yeah, I said, I, this this week was really the first week I dove into it. I just think it's because yeah. nobody knows what it is. And I know that um, uh, Brent Peoples did some of the art on EXO like, later on and stuff as well. And his yeah. art's phenomenal. They've right. got good artists um, all around, usually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Clayton Crane, Brent Peoples. Um, I don't even remember who else off the top of my head, but. You know, I've been struggling oh, Derek for the last couple, couple weeks for something good to read. You know, I've been on yeah, my war Yeah, me too, lately. man. And I've just been on my war kick lately. I've been reading my war stuff. I kind of little, I just don't feel too much about reading superhero stuff, even though I enjoy my Nova series. Exo Manowar. Wow. We have war. We have a guy that's kind of similar to Nova in some ways, but it's kind of not. So, to me, this really rounded out all the stuff that I really love into one comic. I don't know how you guys felt. What were some of the things that really brought it home for you? Uh, the violence. Oh, no, well, the thing that <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yes, technically, but um, I don't like. I said issue one was kind of slow, and so I was kind of like, "All right, where are we going with this exactly?" Because nothing really happened. You don't have the suit. You don't have anything. You says character development. So I'm like, "Okay, let's just keep going." I trust Nova. Me and Nova, we have this kinship where everything he tells me to read, I end up loving usually. And so I'm like, "Okay," he says, "I'm gonna like. I'm gonna keep going." So. I kept going. I'm like, issue two, okay, issue two is picking up. And then with the issue three, and then the huge, like, excitement that happens in issue four, where, you know, he gets transported from 402 AD to space to now, you know, Rome current day. You know, it's now 2000, well, 12 at the time. So he's now in Rome 2012. Um, Twist you weren't expecting. Yeah, not at all. And he was just so... At first, I was kind of like, why is he not questioning the fact that there's airplanes? Like, he thought he was coming to four, and, like, there's these guns. I'm like, why is he not (laughs) questioning this? And then I started thinking, well, he did just come from a freaking alien spaceship. So, like, (laughs) I guess there's probably not a whole lot to question there. Um, But uh, he also, they also kind of pointed out, too, where, like, the suit, like, he went through, the suit kind of gave him, like, 1,600 years worth of... History, uh, yeah. history lessons, yeah, yeah. I guess you could say. So I, I like that they kind of touched on that, and they didn't leave that as sort of a glaring plot hole. That they that they did touch on that, yeah. and uh, and just the the graphicness of it. Like I said, I I wasn't, I was not expecting it. It w- it really kind of took me by surprise, and 
Um, I'm definitely interested to see what goes on. And then, like I said, I, with Ninjak and stuff, and they call him up, and they're like, hey, you know, we got this job. He's like, oh, I'm just finishing up this other special engagement. And the guy's like, oh, take the briefcase. Oh, they were very clean. And they, like, beheads the guy and takes the brief. I'm like, oh, man. Like, yeah, it was just... And it's really well written. I like I said before, I really like Robert Venditti on uh, Green Lantern, and so I was like, okay, well, let's see what he or with uh, Hal Jordan the Green Lantern. So I said, let's see what he does, you know, previously because I, I do really like his writing, and yeah, he he's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the great thing about it too is someone like me who's read a lot of it. I know, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys in case you do read it, but there's also a ton of character progress, like. You, you see Eric now, and he's like this headstrong, rush into every fight, no ask questions later, don't care what anyone says, and you sort of see him progress where it, it's just great. No, I'm going to spoil anything. It's so good. It's not just, you know, hardcore action and, and good storylines. You actually see characters progress and change, um, you know, since they're not rebooting or renumbering every year or so. Um, but, yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm super glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad I got. You guys need to, to check it. out uh, Bloodshot when you get a chance. It's great. That's that's one's really high up on my list, just because, especially with the movie coming out, I want to be familiar with the yeah. character before I, you know, go and see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. With Mr. Jason David Frank is as Bloodshot. I saw the trailer and it looked incredible. It looks cool, man. They've got they've got the graphicness in there. Yeah. Speaking of graphicness, just real quick, did you guys see the new trailer for uh, Logan? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> yes. it looks great. Somebody's like, "Oh, you got to see this trailer," and I saw. So I was like, "Yeah, whatever." I clicked on it. It took me like a day or two to finally do it, and I finally got around to clicking on it, and I was blown away. Looks it yeah. looks nothing like any of the other X Men stuff. It's like, what are no. you doing? But okay, I'm gonna say this at the same time, only because I was at a bar a few nights ago, and someone brought this up to me, and they were like, "Okay, you like the Logan trailer?" And I was like, "Yeah, I like the Logan trailer," and they're like. Did you like the Age of Apocalypse trailer? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay then. And they backed away. But here's but here's the thing like, though. Oh. You tell them to shut up because because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman has actually come out and said in recent interviews that this uh, Logan movie actually takes place in a different universe, much like Old Man Logan did. Yep. Um, it isn't an alternate universe. It does not tie into the same universe. And he says, once you see the movie, it'll all make a lot more sense. And he said, the reason why they did it that way is because they said, what do we need to do to have you do one last Wolverine, you know, solo movie. And he said, let me make the Wolverine movie that I want to make. Let me make the movie that the fans want to see. Like, no studio interference. No, we have to stay in with this timeline or this or this or this. He goes, let me, you know, let me make the Wolverine movie that I want to make. And that's why we got this ultra-graphic old man Logan who is dropping F-bombs, who is slicing people's heads off, is, you know, claws going through the jaw and stuff. And then you got, you know, baby X-23 that's just going ape and... And whatnot, and flipping and killing dudes. Like, it's graphic. And uh, I gotta say, I like Professor X in, in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, no. Patrick Stewart looks. <laughs> Man, is he aged badly. Yes. <laughs> yes. It you know looks what? so good. That was the thing, though. Like, you know, when you saw the first trailer and the first, like, teaser bit of it, 
you see a little bit of X-23, but they don't say it's X-23. And it seems yeah. like she's going to be humble and nice and cool the whole time. Then you see this new trailer, and she's, like, killing people and just, like, pouncing. And it's, like, brutal. And it's graphic. It's, yeah. it's not... It is yeah, super it's graphic. Brutal. There's blood splatter. There's it, This is a hard, hard R movie, which see, is that, awesome. See, that was the thing, though. Like, the, the fact of the matter that she was, you know, brutal and everything really struck home because i mean like all right that's when you know that they're not pussyfooting around basically this is gonna be like legit when you have the kid being just as brutal as uh, hugh jackman being wolverine you know what i mean yeah yes <clears throat> what i really liked was at the at the end of the trailer you see them both driving in the truck and her her knuckles are all like bloodied and bruised and stuff and he's sitting there with like a ripped gut and you just blood all over his shirt it's such a great shot because it's Mm-hmm. It describes like the two of them perfectly. I mean, Wolverine and his kids aren't always, uh, you know, clean people, and they're they're out there. They're hurting themselves, yeah. and other people. And yeah, it's I'm I'm pretty excited. Great, and yeah. I know a lot of people have been asking. They're like, "What issue of X Men is Wolverine holding in the trailer?" <laughs> And for those that haven't figured it out yet, it's a fake comic. It was created for the movie. Did you submit that um, for a no I, prize? Just, uh, just wondering. I think how many people out there freeze framed it? It's like, what issue yes. is that? What is I'm that? I'm giving me a no prize. I think, uh, I think it was Toe that was telling us that Dan. I'm gonna butcher his last name, but Dan uh, Panosian, Panosian. Um, did the art or whatever for that oh. fake book for the movie. Um, so yeah, for those of you guys wondering, it's a fake book created for the movie. It's not It's not a real title. It's not going to immediately jump up in price unless you have the actual prop. And then, yeah, it yeah. might, but... Um, <laughs> Just maybe. Oh, don't worry, we'll eventually see that cover come out. In a yeah. yeah, oh, I'm sure Marvel will jump Wolverine. on all over that one. Yeah. But uh, did you guys... Is it just me, or are there parts in the Logan trailer where Hugh Jackman looks a lot like Mel Gibson and Get the Gringo? <laughs> like they both just that. look yeah. like drawn. I was like, the first time I saw, it, I was looking, I was like, man, he looks like Mel Gibson and Get the Gringo. <laughs> I love. There's also but, there's also a part where he she's she's stealing that stuff and he comes in and he tells her not to do that and he steals a few cigars from yes. her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, we don't do that. (laughs) He grabs a bunch of cigars and walks out. It was great. Yeah, it was was a good trailer. But Rusty Rusty does have a point, but, um, you know, I I have a good, I have a better feeling about this than I did Age of Apocalypse because as soon as you see Apocalypse, you're like, this is just. Yeah, I didn't like the Age of Apocalypse. That was the killer moment of it all when you finally saw Apocalypse and he looked like Ivan News and you're just like, yeah. The rest of the trailer suddenly means so much less. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It looks pretty, pretty freaking um, epic, though. I'm, I'm very excited for March. For March third. Mar- March something. It's sometime in March. No. Yeah. Um, March 3rd, I think. I'm sure you guys saw this too, but on the topic of you know Hugh Jackman, and I guess we can also pull Ryan Reynolds into this. There's been a picture of the two of them. With uh, yes, floating around. Uh, yes, March third. <laughs> Are we gonna have him be Cable? Like really? 
Why not? That's my thing. <laughs> who I mean, who he, are you talking about with Cable? Oh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Because that's yeah. the rumor. That's, that's the whole rumor of the picture. Because the one that was tweeted out by Hugh Jackman says, Wolverine, Bond, Deadpool. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you're going to, you know, why would you sandwich him in between the two? Maybe Fox, will, maybe Fox will be like, we have a white Nick Fury. oh god yeah i don't i don't know i pierce brosnan's not a bad actor but i have a hard time picturing him as cable especially when there's so many other epic actors out there that could easily that look more like cable 90s enough no not at all he needs to put on some muscle (laughs) gray that hair a little more and then maybe Maybe. But, I mean, yeah. you got to think about it at the same time. They could just put a bunch of pads on him and pouches, and you would never know the difference. Yeah. Well, CGI. I mean, look at Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's possible, but I don't know. Either way. Um, what was the other big news, movie news that I saw? I'm drawing a blank now. There was something else that I wanted to mention, and I don't recall what it was. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but oh, that new trailer looks dope too. Where they actually, you actually get to see them with the Megazords, and yeah. and now, granted, it's not the Power Rangers that I grew up with. Nope. This is a new generation of Power Rangers, so I'm taking that into consideration. But the movie does look fun. It, it does. does look entertaining, and Brian Cranston, spot on, sir. Should be fun. So I just don't like Alpha Five. I think Alpha Five looks like a complete weirdo. It's goofy, man. It, well, they said he's an alien, and I'm like, I know he's right, an whatever. alien, but when we were little, he looked more like a robot than an alien. Yeah, so. he was a robot. Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. in this one, it's like he's got like these like weird like he's got like a Saturn shaped head and weird antenna eyeballs. Overall, weird character. Well, we'll see. I'll probably pass that one up. <laughs> that it's wasn't a, my challenge. I was about to say, it's uh, it's yeah. uh, after your time, man. Yeah. See, what I'm waiting for is the new CBS Star Trek series. I'll give it a shot. I was never a big Trekkie. I was I more was into Star Wars than Star either. Trek, but but I will uh, I will give it a shot. Yep. Star Trek Discovery. The, the new ship looks interesting. I've always been into Star Trek very heavily. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this new uh, series uh, takes off. I liked the reboot movies. Yes, yeah. I liked the reboot movies. Those were good. Even the one that everybody freaked out about that Justin Lin directed. That one was actually really well done, I thought. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I mean, there's only been one bad Star Trek movie, really, and that was Star Trek V. Come on. That would should have never been made. <laughs> okay, everyone else is sitting here like, uh. I'm sure I've seen them all growing up, but I don't recall what it. I what have it seen like. every single one in the movie theater. Wow. And yeah, that's how I am with Star Wars. I've seen all the Star Wars. I've seen all Star Wars, all all of them, all. How many of them right now? Seven of them in the movie theater. Eight, technically. Or eight, or however, yeah. So Rusty, I have you seen, watched seen Rogue One? Okay. So have you seven. watched Superman yet? I watched. Superman one, it happens. Yes. But have and you seen this? Have you seen Superman two? I haven't started Superman two yet. It's actually I realized it's on there also, so I am, might actually watch it tonight. That was actually something I was thinking about doing after this podcast. 
So. Okay, so which Ooh. which version is it? Is it the original version or is it the Donner, uh, Richard Donner? I don't version? know. It's whatever's on Netflix, man. It's probably the original then if it's I, on Netflix. I think they had both on Netflix. Let's take a gander and see because now watch we're giving the original a homework first. assignment. Then when you watch the Richard Donner cut, you'll be you'll blown away. You'll appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Okay. You'll be like, oh my God. So something I did want to talk about while you're pulling it up, Tap, and this is for something for Nova and Tap since Red doesn't read it, but... The newest issue of uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corp, man? Yes. Sweet Jesus. Like, Kyle Rayner just come out and they merge the green and the orange? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> I was Rusty's like, mind blown. <laughs> yes, like, it was pretty dang cool, man. And I like the whole thing that uh, Hal Jordan's like, we're doing what now? At the very, and that's how they end the comic. And I'm just yeah. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm telling you, Rusty, if you read more DC, you'd be like, that'd be your reaction more often. No, it was good. <laughs> I really liked it, no. and the vibe I was getting from it was super 90s. I like how, you know, I don't know, there's something about it feels old school to me. Uh, something about the Hal Jordan comic feels like I'm reading more of a 90s comic. And some people may say that's crap, but I like 90s comics, and um, it's it really feels kind of nostalgic and then uh another thing that's really cool that they're doing is um with uh, and this goes back to marvel now is in the new ultimates comic um you actually see a flashback to like in the bullpen section where they do the right to the editor thing right they did a mm-hmm. flashback to it. it's like hey if you've never heard of the in-betweener before check out adam warlock number nine from 1970 whatever by jim starlin and they're also like referencing older comics for the material again, like they used to. So I don't know if something's just gotten into DC and Marvel to make them feel a little more more old school about the cosmic universe or something. But I feel like on both sides, it feels more like a throwback than what it's been. Okay, so you brought up Marvel and DC, and this reminded me of something that I think we should probably touch on. And I want everybody's viewpoints before before we get into our interview here, real quick. Um, so big news broke these this last week or maybe two weeks ago, week or two ago, where Marvel is no longer, well, I guess they are going to continue to do digital codes, but you're oh, going to get true. random digital mm-hmm. codes. You're not going to get a digital code for the book you bought. You're going to get randomness, right? Which a lot of people seemed upset about because now, because there was a lot of people that would buy the book and then they would have it a physical copy that they would collect and then they would put it on their iPad or whatever and they'd have a digital copy that they could read. Yeah. A lot of people did that. Well, that's no longer going to be able to happen with Marvel. So then DC, a few days later, all of a sudden announces, guess what, everyone? <laughs> we're taking all of our, re- well, not all, but we're taking a good chunk of our Rebirth titles and we're going to up them by a buck. And then everybody's like, No! But here's the kicker. You're going to get a digital copy of the book you bought. <laughs> so, do you guys think, first of all, what do you? Th- what is your opinion? I guess two-part question. What is your opinion on Marvel doing this, number one? And then the second part is, do you think DC then saw an opportunity and said, hey, let's do this? Or do you think DC's been planning this for a while and it just so happens that it coincides around the same time that Marvel says they're not doing it? No, I think it's a competition thing. I'm yeah. going to straight up say that right now. They, it's too coincidental yeah, that it happened. They may have been thinking. So coincidental, in fact, I think they had 
foreknowledge of what Marvel was going to do, and they planned it out for that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they may probably. have been they may have been thinking about it, and they're just like sitting on it. You know, there's not a good time to to, mm-hmm. to bring out this news, and then as soon as Marvel did that, hey, why not just pull this trigger while we're at it? And you know, I mean. But I think it's chicken shit that they raise the price by a buck for the free copy. Well, I, I mean, they had to pay why. for that digital expense for something. You have to yeah, pay the gonna, people that no, are Marvel uploading books, it. Marvel you books have to pay the been, people that are uploading it. Yeah, Marvel books have been three ninety nine with the code for a while. I don't think people are going to be that. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. is Those Marvel, the Marvel ones, since they're getting rid of the code or you're getting a random code... Are they going to drop the price then, or are they going to oh, keep it at the three ninety? They're going to keep it at three ninety nine, right? That's what I'm saying. Never. So, DC. Well, a lot of people are said DC promised us two ninety nine books. I get that, but at the same time, you're now getting a digital copy, yeah. which a lot of people would also sell digital copies on eBay. Um, you know, for, for two bucks cents. or whatever it was, yeah, yeah a buck or two. Um, but did you guys hear that eBay seems to now be? taking down people's auctions that are auctioning off digital codes for movies, books, etc. Yeah, eBay is silently, they're not making a big deal about it yet, but they're silently taking down people's auctions and not telling you. Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Craigslist or or, or for the new Facebook thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... Yeah, um, the Facebook buy sell trades but i just i think that's just mind-boggling that uh first of all i don't see what's wrong with selling a code i don't know why ebay would be see it shouldn't be wrong because it's a tangible item tech in in your hand a code it's yours to do with to download it to throw it away or to give it or to sell it and if you want to sell it there's nothing wrong with that you know yep yeah. For yeah, eBay no, to do that, that is just wrong. They shouldn't be doing that. I, I am strong against the fact that DC is rated their price by buck because really, it doesn't cost them a dollar to have that digitally downloaded to your phone. Well, they're losing the potential sale of someone buying that. But, ah, but, yeah. but, yes and no. If they if somebody downloads it and likes it, they may go ahead and make per- additional uh, purchases off the app. It's a, it's the character. I don't know. Well, we'll see how it goes. It's, I can see the way. And now DC's not doing it with all their books. Yeah. Um, no. Whereas with Marvel, every book is three ninety nine, or even five ninety nine on up. There was one Monsters Unleashed, for instance, was freaking four ninety nine or five ninety nine. I think it was four ninety nine. And I was like, why the hell is Monsters Unleashed a dollar more than their normal it's... books? This is ridiculous. See, my question too is with Marvel, the random codes, is it going to be uh, a randomizer that gen- that picks out things? Yeah, who app? knows? Or is it basically Every week there's different. This, this week, yeah. it's all comics this week have the same five codes. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Because, I mean, otherwise, you're going to be saying, because if it's randomized, you're going to be going into your shop and you're going to open up, you're going to grab your Captain America or whatever, and you're going to open it up and say, oh, this is a code for Black Panther. This is a code for Scarlet Witch. And you're going to like dig through until you find the code that you want. You know I'm what I mean? So I think you. they're going to have to. What if it's oh, like oh that would be surprise. even more BS if you if it's just a surprise <laughs> yeah, and you go enter it in and sure. you're like, congratulations, this is a code for U.S. Avengers. Yeah. People are gonna be like, I don't want U.S. Avengers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what if some, if they were wait. smart, this is what they would do. They would give you a code and say, you go ahead and you can download anything you want that's within this price range. That would be cool. I wouldn't mind that. That, that would be all right. See, you could do all the sales. old school comics and stuff, too. You know what would be even cooler? And if they had to have it predetermined, is say that you bought, like, an issue of uh, Moon Knight. 
the special code that you get will be like volume one, this number issue. So yeah, like, like so from, like, like Moon Knight, Knight from nineteen eighty five or, or whatever. You'd go back and you'd get the code for um, volume one, Moon Knight number ten. That seems like or something. Forget like that. that. Don't don't even give me an issue. Give me a ninety nine cent credit to the app. Here's a th- there you yeah. go, ninety nine cents. That's not yeah, bad. That's a fair trade. You're still making a penny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those pennies add up. Yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. I like that. I mean, it's uh, it, it affects other people. It doesn't really affect me, so. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm oh. But I mean, yeah, like you know, you, it, it doesn't impact me any longer because of Nova. There's but. so many people that you know we talk to in our in our chat room who are like, "You, how are you? I'm gonna drop DC books because they're raising the price." It's like, were you really reading Batgirl? Were you reading Supergirl? And all these like once per month books. Like, <laughs> were you reading Harley yeah, Quinn? Like, Come on. Well, I hope like, not. Maybe Batman Beyond or Teen Titans. You'll be like, oh. yes, those like, ones were fantastic. Still, like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. drop my DC book. I'm mad at them. It's kind of ridiculous, yeah. but I mean, DC, hey. Marvel, everything. Yeah, I, I, I hear the same thing. I'm Marvel gonna, I'm just has everyone anymore. by the balls, man. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, they do. Oh, I hate yeah, In- Inhumans versus X Men. Still gonna buy the next issue. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I will say I did. I wanted to just throw out real quick. I um, I said a few weeks ago, or last month, I guess it would have been. I read Nova One, and I said I wasn't really feeling it that much. I don't know if I said that on the podcast or if I just said it to you guys. But I said, you know, I wasn't really feeling Nova wait, 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 One I'm very sorry. much. I'll go back. Which Nova One? Which series? Just came out. The new one, the new series okay. with uh, okay. Rich Ryder and Sam Alexander both. Okay. Um, I wasn't really feeling issue one i was like yeah whatever well then somebody said issue two really picked up and i said all right i'll check it out so i did i just want to throw this out here i did check out issue two and they were right issue two was so much better i actually want to continue to read the series now because issue two issue two hooked me so i i i do want to take that back that issue one didn't get me but issue two did may have to check it out Uh, dude i feel you on that man um, I just read Gamora this past week, and the first issue didn't really, it didn't, because it's the throwback to her origin, so it's like back in time or whatever, and I mean, it has Thanos and stuff in it, but issue one didn't really grab me that much. Issue two, oh my gosh, man, so much happened in issue two that it just made me be like, okay, what's going to happen next? I need issue three right now, and that doesn't happen a whole, whole lot anymore in Marvel for me, so... Yeah, Gamora. Oh, did Rusty just say me. that doesn't happen to him for Marvel? I mean, unless you got that, you know. Unless but it you happens to Hal Jordan much, and the Green Lanterns with DC. Uh, hmm. Somebody should read more DC. I don't know. I still got my Silver Surfers <laughs> and my Thanos and my X Men and stuff. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll roll still, with this. Still read more DC. <laughs> or just read a little bit of yeah, it. Maybe oh, eventual. speaking of image, real quick, I have not read it yet. Has anybody read Curse Words from Image? I haven't had a chance. It is supposed to be phenomenal. Is that you saying? And I really oh, want to read okay. it. And they did a bunch of variant covers as well. Yeah, and it's got um, a second print they, too. Mm-hmm. They had like an Invincible variant cover that looked mm-hmm. just freaking awesome. But the guy, at first I thought it was like a Starman reference. Because he kind of looked like Starman with like a staff and everything. But uh, no, and I haven't read it yet. But everybody keeps talking about how freaking awesome it is. So I've been, I want to see if you guys had read that yet. Speaking of those variants, man, I want that damn Deadly Class Youngbloods variant. I'm no Rob Liefeld, but still. 
I want the damn uh, <laughs> variant. It looks cool. Deadly Class is an amazing book all on its own. A bunch of kids getting yeah. high and uh, going to school, uh, right? Killing hobos and stuff. And killing people. <laughs> and killing people. And in no, 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 no way, does four guys in a comic endorse? We endorse reading it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Don't we are not boy. Master Lin. Please do not. <laughs> but anyways, let's wrap things up. Get on going with our uh, interview. Uh, we got an important phone call to make, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. people agree t-shirts are awesome that's right t-shirts and you know who's got t-shirts we got t-shirts that's right you can get yourself four guys in a comic official t-shirt we've also got hoodies that's right check us out give us a tweet say i want your shirt or tell us in person on our phone line send me all your t-shirts here's my number call me darling all proceeds from the sale of these t-shirts go to recovery of the sokovian people and you know what happens in Sokovia, right? They buy four guys in a comic t-shirts. That's right. So check us out. Buy some t-shirts. And you'll agree with the best. The best. The best. Get your ears ready, because special guest Liam Sharp is coming up right now. Hey, guys. Welcome back again to the interview portion of Four Guys in a Comic. And this week, we have a very special guest with us, the co-artist on the current ongoing series, Wonder Woman Rebirth. We have artist Liam Sharp. Liam, how are you doing today? Hey, gents. I'm good. Good. Got my beer. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So uh, <laughs> shoot away. I'm fine. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So for those that are tuning in that may not be familiar with your work, um, why don't you just give us a quick rundown on some of the things you've done? Well, okay. Um, well, I've been knocking around for this is my, actually just going into my 31st year in comics. Um, wow. I started in the UK assisting a, a, an amazing artist called Don Lawrence, who's mostly famous in Europe. Um, he was a, a real mentor to me. Um, and... From him, I went straight to 2000 AD. I, I literally was straight out of school, um, straight into publishing at 18, um, and did a few dreads. Uh, but my big break, I guess, was around about 91, 92 for Marvel UK, and I did a, a book called Death's Head 2, which um, really took off uh, in, in a kind of big way. We had so much fun back then. We didn't even realize how lucky we were when I look back because we had like the X-Men and, uh, you know, some of the major Marvel characters guest starring in this this sort of kind of crazy place. Uh, and from there, I did a whole bunch of different stuff. I ended up doing, uh, I did a couple of X-Men issues. I did a run on the Hulk with Peter David. Um, I was straight after Gary Frank uh, and all sorts of craziness, some Danzig stuff, the Death Dealer. Uh, some stuff, Vertigo, uh, Testament with Douglas Rushkoff. Um, I had a big sort of success with Gears of War in 2008. That was uh, quite an adventure. That thing was huge, although it wasn't like a mainstream comic. It was outselling every other title that year. Insane. Um, a lot of fun, uh, Joshua Ortega writing. Um, but aside from that, I've done other things too. I've written a couple of novels. I started a, a sort of a boutique publishing company in 2004 called Mamtor, which did 
some anthologies and uh, also published some prose books and art books. And then I started and I co-founded another company called Madefire, which is a progressive digital storytelling company uh, five years ago, which brought me out to California and got me set up in Berkeley. And really, I was doing that for the last five years um, until I got to the point that, you know, I, I had done my bit and we'd got the show on the road and it was doing really well. Uh, and uh, I just had the itch to return back to to drawing in a in a big way. It'd been too long. If ever you get um, frozen, uh, you get the fear of the blank page and feel like you've burned out. It's, it's not bad to sort of step away for a, for a while and regather yourself. Because when I when I came back, I realised how lucky I was to have been always doing this job. But also, it was like reinvigorating to the power of ten. It was just amazing. Uh, and I have to thank Jim Lee, really. I started sending him some pictures that I was doing. I've known Jim since the early 90s. So I was just having fun drawing, like, Batman and, uh, you know, various mainstream characters. I did a Hulk piece and was just just, just for the fun of it and was firing it off to him. Uh, and I heard that uh, Wonder Woman had become available. Uh, and I'd never considered myself to do that, but... I, I saw this Red Sonja piece I did. It was really detailed and sort of fantasy-oriented. Um, Barry Windsor Smith style, lots and lots of kind of symbolic stuff in there. And it was on my desktop, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, you could do you could do Wonder Woman like that. And I sent that to Jim, and he said, yeah, you could. <laughs> and that was that was really it, you know. Um, and that was, I guess, last, no, year before last. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a ride since then, really. That's my background. It's uh, in a nutshell. A very large nutshell. I'm about yeah. to say. <laughs> so many years. So many years. years. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd all fallen asleep. Don't hear it. I'm I'm personally just going to start off and say I'm so glad you're doing Wonder Woman. Oh, um, your you. artwork is just spectacular. At first, um, I'm not a, a veteran in the industry, as most can tell by my voice. Um, so I didn't unfortunately know who you were and then i started looking up and like you said gears of war is most of what i was seeing right. it's just incredibly detailed and you just got this raw energy in your in your art and when you read that birth issue the the main rebirth issue and it she goes to olympus and it's just it's spellbinding like your art feels mystical and it feels like uh like a wonder woman style of art thank you um, man. ultra detailed i don't know how you're killing yourself on these backgrounds Leaves and stuff and trees. It's unbelievable. I, uh, you're yeah. doing way too much work uh, in that aspect, but it looks amazing. I want to do more, you know. It's, that's the thing. It's, it's, uh, I wish I had two months on every issue, but it is... Uh, I don't know. I'm just really having fun. And and I think with organic type stuff, whether it's uh, jungles and, you know, ruins and mythical kind of stuff, you can... You can play a little bit fast and loose. It's not like you've got to work out three-point perspective and stuff like that, which is a little bit more uh, frustrating. The stuff I can't do at all is cars. God, I hate cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cars are like I've really got to up my game a bit on uh, on like things modern modern world stuff. I talk about living in a bubble. I was gonna say, you know, most of the time when we have people on here and they talk about uh, what the what the candy, you know, they you go to the stereotypes with the hands, you know, uh-huh. sometimes some of the the details on the face and stuff. First person that said cars. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The other thing that I can't do is like transformers. You know, people over 
occasionally I'll get asked at a con if I can draw, you know, one of the, one of the main Transformers is like, no, oh, it's the same kind of thing as cars. I just can't get my head around it. I like organic big robots, like crazy sort of stuff. But when it's actually something so very, you know, you, you, precise, you, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm screwed, basically. <laughs> So when they brought Wonder Woman to you, um, did you, because Wonder Woman, for those that don't know, um, is a bi-weekly title. You're doing the odd numbers, um, and yeah. Nicholas Scott's doing the even. So did when they brought it to you, did did they tell you, okay, you're only going to be doing one book a month, or were you under the impression they had to do two books? How did that come about? Because it is such a big thing to have a bi-weekly book. It's not something you really see a lot in the industry today, except for Rebirth titles now. Yeah, I was on... I was on uh... I was lined up to do it before Nick or Greg or any of the people who ended up doing it. Um, oh, okay. And it was quite a process and quite a waiting period. So the, the, the I first uh, had a vague con- conversation with Jim uh, the year before in, in Thanksgiving. And then it was like, yeah, this is really interesting. I'm going to talk about it internally and get back to you. And then it was like, yeah, we we really want want you to do it. And then I didn't know, and it was quite. And then it was on, and I think it was on pretty much from there onwards. But um, they had a lot of internal stuff to sort out, and because they were geared towards rebirth, and they couldn't tell anyone anything, um, it was uh, it, it was kind of strange. <laughs> it was a kind of strange place to be because I had no idea what I was going to be doing. Um, and in fact, I, I thought it wasn't going to happen. And I, I got an opportunity to draw Conan, which is my other like dream job. I've been waiting 30 years to draw Conan, never actually drawn him in an official capacity in terms of comics. And I got to do it. And I, I got in touch with DC and said, oh, I, I've, got a, I've got a Conan. And they said, oh, please, yeah, please don't do it. You got, We need you for Wonder Woman. I said, oh, really? That's happening? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I've got to turn down my dream project. And oh, I was quite funny. Oh, wow. Well, I, I didn't mind. You know, it's, it's really odd you wait so long. Um, you wait so long to do something you really dream of. And I tell you, I thought about it for about two minutes, if that. It's like Conan, Wonder Woman. And I thought, well, what are all the things I love about Conan and what that I couldn't do? in Woman, and there wasn't anything then I was like and I could do loads of other things in Wonder Woman too and also just obviously you know you can't sniff at the exposure and the fact that it's the most famous female character in the world and uh, this is a big time for her and then there was all the other stuff that was going on by pure chance like uh, her birthday her 75th anniversary um, the fact that it was going to be a rebirth the fact that there was a shot at doing a number one I mean it, all of these things were just like insane yeah <laughs> that would have been crazy crazy to turn that down mm-hmm. um I, I was very lucky I, I was very very lucky um i didn't know uh, to answer your question whether it was going to be bi-weekly or whether i was going to, I, I think i imagined that i was the, the lead artist on it i mean they still call me the lead artist whatever that means um <laughs> but uh, you know I'm, I'm working with an amazing team Nicola is is uh, is astonishing. I'm sorry she's gone. She's become a good friend. She's done the six issues, which was always the plan. She got to do her dream project, which was the year one thing. Um, I, I, again, she was she was blown away because she had no uh, expectation ever to get to draw the, probably the one book that she she's always wanted to do and dreamt of all her life is year one, the origin of, of, of Wonder Woman, and she got to do it. It's amazing. Um, and she's delightful. Um, we've become good friends. 
And, and she's also amazing. Every time I saw her issues, I just thought, oh, God, okay, I've got to wap it again. <laughs> how does she draw her so beautiful? Like, you know, man, she's so impressive. Um, you know, but we've got Belkis Everly coming on, and she's incredible too. Uh, uh, she did that amazing fill-in with the, the background on, on Cheetah. And Barbara Ann, absolutely incredible stuff. The, the book, the the shaft work that she did previously was really extraordinary. So I think she's a she's a new superstar in the making. Um, but they're just the whole team's fantastic. And, and and obviously I can't I can't talk about this without talking about Greg. Um, and you know, Greg and I had uh, somehow managed to miss each other for the whole time that we've both been in comics, which is between the pair of us, 50 years. So, you know, we've been at the same shows and just not bumped into each other. And uh, we had no idea if we'd get on at all. And you know, my wife said, because we'd got this, uh, we got this phone call plan. She said, as soon as she heard me talk to him for, she said it was less than two minutes before she breathed the big sigh and said, okay, I don't have to listen anymore. It's fine. They're going to be <laughs> By the end, we were like, you know, a, a, an old couple of uh, spinsters that's lived together for years. <laughs> we were just like brothers. We were like totally united. We hit it off, you know, it's it cool. funny. Um, how, how well we gelled, uh, and how delightful it was to to find that um, not only was I going to be working with a you know a terrific writer, but somebody that I liked very much, and someone that I shared uh, an awful lot of views uh, and ethics and, and and feelings with. And there's nothing better than working on a, a book that um, speaks to you personally, you know, because we're all freelancers, right? You know, you can't always choose the jobs you do. So it might sound hypocritical, but when you've got to put a roof over your head and you've got a family, you know, sometimes you do draw stuff that you don't necessarily agree with. And that's your job, your work for hire. So it's a bonus when um, when you get to draw something that um, matters, that that has a message, that has a heart, has a soul and and speaks to people. And this book really does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying Wonder Woman. I think uh, you, Greg, and Nicola have just been putting out amazing work. I mean, I've I don't, like I've I've always loved Wonder Woman, and what Azarello did in the New Fifty Two is incredible. But Greg Ruck has just got this real poetic touch to the character, and he just hits those moments. And you guys help him as well. It's great. No, thank you, man. It's appreciated. Um, I wanted to ask really quickly. Um, Tap and I review Wonder Woman whenever it comes out on our. DC Rebirth podcast, and uh, we've lately been joking around that Colonel Steve Trevor is uh, really just James Hetfield in a in an army <laughs> suit. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit, he's, yeah, he's a bit Hetfield. He's a bit uh, what's his name from Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> James <laughs> T- uh, Teller. Yeah, Jack Teller. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's a, he's a, he's all the the sort of buff blonde, you know, badass guys. So. Got the hair combed back and. Big yeah. beard going, it's great. He, he he's uh, we've really grown fond of that guy. Um, the beard was my idea. I, I just said to Greg, "Can I give him a beard?" He's like, "Yeah, you can." <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, he's going to be this bad. He's out doing ops in the middle of nowhere. He's going to be all shaggy yeah. and everything. Yep. So, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Go for it. 
you know, and we were talking with Nick and she said, okay, well, I'll do the clean shave and you do like 10 years on and that'll help distinguish the time. And let's give him a tattoo. And let's, you know, but he's, he's still a real decent guy underneath it all. Um, he, he's, he's pretty much Captain America. I think, you know, in, in lots of ways he's got that. Um, he's the best man in the room, whichever room he's in. Although he's getting a bit grumpy in the latest issue. <laughs> So is there any uh, upcoming Wonder Woman arcs or anything that you can kind of spoil or give a little hints at? Oh, man. <laughs> well, we got, uh... <laughs> what are you allowed to say? What am I allowed to say? Mm, what would Greg forgive me? For? Probably not as much as I'd like. The, there's, there's, um, we've got some old loved characters coming back again. I I, I really don't want to spoil it because the, the, the last panel of the next issue, which is out Wednesday, there's a character there that we haven't seen for a while and he's a different interpretation, but he, I think a few people are going to freak when they see him. Um, so that, that's fun. Not your hands on yet that you might would want to dabble on in the future. Hmm. I've been really lucky you know, in in my time in comics. I've pretty much drawn all of the main guys that I can think of uh, in some form or another, even if they've just guest starred. It's tough. I mean, there's characters that I've loved doing. I would love to do the Hulk again uh, one day. Just, I was a kid when I did it the first time around and it, there was something right about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite. I wasn't as good as I am now, and I still <laughs> yeah. feel like I've got a long way to go. But I, I think I could do a better job of it now. Um, I mean, I always loved uh, Star Lord. He's one guy I've never done any of the Guardians characters. Mm. Um, that that would be fun. I, I like the old classic costume. I don't know if there's any way of ever working that in the John Byrne, um, uh, Claremont. Um, they did this astonishing special that I just adored when I was a kid. Um, just the whole kind of self-contained uh, book that I had in black and white it was amazing. So that, that would be fun. I haven't thought of that. Uh, and I, I really, really always loved... I, I did a Man-Thing run with Jam Dematis, which I, I still maintain is is some of the best time I ever ever had in comics. Dematis is a, a joy to work with, and that that, that series was insane. <laughs> was, we went completely crazy, uh, psychedelic, you know. I, I got to channel a lot of the people I really adored, like a bit of Bill Sienkiewicz and, uh, and um, Jeff Jones and my, uh, Mike Mignola. Some of these... Uh, Guys were very influential on that that series, and we did we did some nutty stuff. But it was a, it was a it was a joy doing that. I'd, I'd love to see that collected. I don't know why it never has been, but uh, yeah. So man, thing you know who I've not not done as well. Uh, Swamp uh, Swamp Thing. I think Ooh, Swamp Thing. I can see that. Oh my god, I would love no, that. Nova and Tap um, got to talk to Tom Mandrake recently. Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, they they it, the whole thing was basically Swamp Thing. That was that, that was basically uh, the whole Spectre. pod. Oh, yeah. no, Specter, yeah, Specter. Okay, That's all right. But yeah, no, I mean Swamp Thing's perfect for you. The way you right. draw trees and like you said, organic <laughs> yeah, stuff, especially details. Swamp Thing, where it's like he can do whatever you see, you can mm. think of. Yeah, some yeah. of this uh, it's it's uh, it would be amazing you should you should let them know 
Yeah, <laughs> poke so, them and tell them people need their swamp thing. Yeah, right? say, hey, you know, we we got we should do a new swamp thing. Let's do a swamp thing <laughs> rebirth. Swamp thing's currently in the Hellblazer book. Let's just give yeah. him his own solo series, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I'll do the art on it. And uh, yeah, we'll, well, let's make this happen. That's just what you just. Whoever you got to talk to, Jim Lee, just go tell him that's what we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, be fun. And also, Batman, of course. I'd love another stab at that. I did, I did a couple of issues way back in the day, but they were, they were super quick fill-ins. I was doing a favor, so it was like, I, I think I did both issues in a week each layout, and Chris Weston helped and a bunch of other. I mean, it was just they're terrible. I look at them now and just cringe. It's like, this is my shot of Batman and I have to turn it around this fast just to help them out, you know. Um, I never want to do that again. These these are the things you learn. Like, oh, I'll be fine, no one will be able to tell. And it's like, yes, you can. It's, shit. it's terrible. It's terrible. But uh yeah, no, so I'd like to do a decent job on a Batman story one day. And also Green Lantern, I've not done him before. I think a bunch of alien kind of space stuff would be good. That'd be awesome. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. I was, I, I guess it was more, I, most of my stuff was Marvel back in the day. Uh, but DC has been my mainstay for on and off for the last 15 years. I did a, a, a series, a horror series with Jeff Johns as well called The Possessed, whose creator owns The Wildstorm. So it's Jeff's only um, creator owned book, as far as I know. Wow. Uh, that was pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back and check that out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds like a really fun team up. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um we really it, it was basically dark ghostbusters. They were a team of uh Oh, that's right exorcists. up my alley. Exorcists. <laughs> yeah. And, that and is right opening, up my alley. The the opening sequence is uh, is the exorcist basically. And and instead of the priest turning up, the possessed turn up. The the team of exorcists. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds yeah, epic! When did you guys do that? <laughs> oh god, uh, ten years ago, so maybe a bit longer. All right, I'm oh, gonna ten years ago. I'm I'm gonna find this. <laughs> yeah, there's a trade. There is a trade collection. Oh, there. awesome! Yeah. I, that that sounds. I love all sorts of like the supernatural and the the dark, and that's like my favorite type of book. So this was screaming out to be a series or a film or something. Cause all the characters, they were called the possessed because they'd all been possessed, which made them perfect exorcists. It was, it was very cool. You have to find that. Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. Now, speaking so creating your own stuff. Um, you mentioned earlier that you did a, a digital story company. Yeah. Um, did you put a lot of your own create, create your own stuff into that company? Um, what came, what, 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 what what was produced out of it? Yeah, uh, the the app is called Madefire. Um, you can download it on uh, well, it's on all the platforms. So just go to the app store. But it's also you can uh, you can read stuff online on on DeviantArt. There's a whole uh, section of motion books from Madefire. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's doing really well. I mean, not we we power other apps. So Boom just has just been announced underneath. Uh, the Boom app is made for hardware, uh, software. Um, we do Valiant, we do uh, Archie, um, we do IDW. IDW were really good. They were like the first to come on on board, really, and very progressive with their views around digital. Um, we did one with uh, with DC, which is a pick your own adventure uh, 
Arkham, uh, Batman Arkham Origins, mm. um, which you have like choice points in the story. It works really well. Um, but that sounds cool. It's it's actually amazing. We've got something like thirty thousand books on the app now. But the motion books are the really progressive reading experience. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, how do you how do you how it's always a tricky one because I don't think of it as, as digital comics. I think it's a totally different medium and I think it's really fun. Uh, people get in all sorts of knots about whether whether the book should be read digitally, but to me it's like comic guys and comic creators and people who love comics are the most imaginative, forward-thinking audience and bunch of creators in the world. You know, we, we progress everything. Movies have come... You know, the big blockbuster movies have pretty much all come from comics these days. We we are the frontier of uh, of storytelling. And we mash together art and words, you know, and that is... Uh, it should be bigger than the sum of its parts. And we've got these new mediums. We've got, got uh, computers. We've got, like, all of this new playground to play in. Uh, and if we don't play in it, then we're just cutting off our nose to spite our faces. And I, I mean, we all love print, right? I love the I love the smell of the paper as much as anybody. I, lo- oh, I love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all Give me good about the smell of the paper. To smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, we all get it, of course. But don't just ignore something because you think it's it, 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 it's somehow dangerous or somehow threatening or somehow isn't the same. It's like. This is there and it should be used and it should be done something with. Um, so uh, we we sort of went down that route and had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. Um, and and it's definitely something I would play with again. I did a, a story. I did a bunch of stuff actually. I I got to work with one of my all time art heroes, Bill Sienkiewicz. He came to the Magfire Studios and we spent a few weeks um, creating art together. I was penciling, he was inking, and we were kind of jamming on the colours. Um, and we did a Sherlock Holmes story, um, which you could get on the Madefire app. It, it's really extraordinary, actually. <laughs> That's a mic drop right there. You know? <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, it's really, it's really fun. And the whole thing, Bill's stuff is a lot like... Um, a collage, right? It's it's like it's tons of stuff all layered on top of each other, and and because of the way this uh, motion uh, books work, you can just move stuff around. So it's like a moving collage, and and the story is revealed by you know new images popping up, disappearing and sliding in from the top and the bottom, the right, the left. You know there is no panel borders anymore when you start to use uh, time as the panel border. Um, but it's not the same as a, uh, a motion comic. It doesn't have a voiceover. It, 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 it isn't something that's dictated by the speed of the, the voiceover and that has no takes the, all of the control out of the reader. So the whole point about Madefire is that it's still something you read. Um, so you have, have tap points and you drive it forward as and when you want to and you can zoom in and it has sound, but you can turn it off if you don't want the sound. Uh, it has an ambience primarily, uh, and you read it still. It has balloons that come up, and it has words in the balloons. Um, and, and so it was really about within the digital space. They've stitched up films. They've got it nailed. Streaming films is, is done. 
they've stitched up gaming. You can play online games with multiple people and masses of people, you know. Um, but they haven't stitched up reading. And the best people, I think, to sort out reading uh, in the digital space is is comics people because they add a visual element to it. Um, so that's why we went with comics first and foremost. Uh, and it, it, honestly, it's done it's done way better. It's like a it's like a it's done way better than people realize. We're five years old and we're going strong. The app was number one in, in the app store. Uh, in the book section for a year solid it's a five star app and has been all the way through it's astonishing the rating whenever whenever we feel miserable we always joke you know just go and look at the app store and read the ratings you know anyone who says something grumpy is just a troll you know because they it's so <laughs> it's it's so out of place it just doesn't fit with the rest it's like five star five star five, one star <laughs> digital comics suck bitches so i gotta ask though on the app what is probably the number one um downloaded item on there oh right now it's the stuff that we're doing um with blizzard um their 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 book is doing incredibly well you know one of the characters that they had in the story came out as as gay within one of the yeah. One of the yeah, and that, that was on a, a made fire built uh, story, and that was big news that day. And I think we had more reads of that character than of that story than anything else we've ever done. We have a a, a story on deviant art done by a couple of uh, two Polish girls called Milk for the Ugly that had uh, a million reads. It's free, but it's still a million reads. You know, it's it's pretty incredible, and it's it, it's really uniquely done. Um, dark sort of European style uh, horror story. Um, it's self-contained uh, and it's, they, they can, we, uh, we have a partnership with DeviantArt and uh, we flew them to San Diego, the two, the, the girls, Kate and Anna, uh, and they were like superstars. It was amazing. People were swooning. Uh, there's this <laughs> whole audience that the, the, the people, the, the, the normal comic uh, audience isn't aware of you know that is just digitally oriented there's a ton of of, of like uh uh anthro anthros type comics you know that are done purely digitally uh, that have huge followings that nobody's even aware of that are only online and have like four hundred thousand readers every every month they come out astonishing really it's a whole different world and and i think you know ignoring that is is just foolish and it's a shame and we should embrace it and you know, so it's all comics. It's all part of the same big cornucopia of like words and pictures. Yeah, I wasn't very familiar with uh, Made Fire. So earlier today, I had actually downloaded it, and oh, cool. um, I was flipping through and I was looking at you know the free titles just to kind of see what it was like exactly. And I think I downloaded one of the Transformers ones, uh-huh. and uh, I was reading through it. And you're right, it's really really cool. Um, because at, at first I was expecting more of a motion comic. Right. And when I wasn't getting the voiceover, I was like, oh, I read this. Okay. But there was, like, the parts where, like, they cock a gun, and you actually see, like, the gun being cocked, and then you hear the, you know, yeah. sound. And it was it was pretty cool. It was definitely a very um, new way to read. It was, it was pretty cool. The weird thing is we nearly published it without sound. We were going to go out with sound, without sound. And then about three weeks before, we said, why, why are we doing this? We should at least try it. You yeah. Know? 
Because like you because, said, they don't like it, they can just turn it off. Well, exactly. But because we didn't have anyone reading the voices, we thought it might be weird, but it actually still adds atmosphere and ambience. Yep. And, yep. It's odd, but it works. See, I was going to say that, too. Like, when you're getting down to it, I mean, I know when I'm reading a print comic, usually, or even digitally, even with, with no sounds at all, I have these ideas of the characters' voices in my head and right. how they sound. But the sound of a gun cocking or firing is not going to change, you know? No. That's just its own it's sound. Universal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so when you're adding that into it, it's like I can still imagine these characters I'm creating in my head to appeal yeah. to me's voice, but I'm still getting a little bit of ambiance and setting well, with the sounds and everything else. Because before we would just have Nova making the crocoom sound. The Canadian sound effects is what <laughs> we would is. do in that point. But yeah, yeah and this one is really, really cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I saw that you guys had Lock and Key on there, uh, the new miniseries. <laughs> and uh, I love Lock and Key uh, very, very much. So I was like, oh, I want to check that one out now. So well, it's a really, really cool, very well-made app. Thank you, man. I mean, the one that I'm obviously most proud of is the one that I co-created with my wife, Christina, and it's called Captain Stone is Missing. And uh, it's also a print version. You can get the collected version of it because our, our mission was always go digital first, then print. Um, because if you create it knowing that it's going to be digital, you can mess around with all the elements uh, and, and make something you know really interesting and, and innovative. Uh, but then you can think about the print afterwards. If you try to take something that's meant for print first, you have to really kind of take it apart and you know paint backgrounds that didn't exist. And we we did an awful lot of that stuff early on, which was just crazy uh, workload. Whereas if you do it the other way around, it sort of makes sense. But yeah, Titan did a, a it's a hundred ninety two page collected edition of Captain Stone is Missing, which I'm really proud of. It's my it's my love letter to eighties comics to to Electro Assassin and uh, I guess Watchmen and, and, you know, a lot of those books that really blew my mind when I was just starting out and still a teenager. Um, so it's it's got a lot of different sort of styles and approaches and I tried to really build the world out in that book. So uh, a lot of the references are very close to, well, some of them actually are real events, Um things that happened, so the timeline of it, the, the Olympics that are referenced and various earthquakes and disasters that are referenced are all sort of real, but it's basically, it's, uh, it's there was one superhero on the earth and he's gone missing and the whole thing was about his uh, sister, who's, who, well, she, I've just given a big spoiler there. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she's, uh, she finds out she's his sister, his half-sister, and is, is recruited um, to try and find out what's happened to him and where he's gone. Hence, Captain Stone is missing. And, uh, and the whole thing is about, in the process of that, she finds out where they're tied together, what their relationship was, um, who their father was. Uh, and it just, it's a, it's a big sort of epic family saga that, that ends with uh, a big surprise. John Carmack, I was very thrilled to know from of Doom fame, was a big fan of it. And uh, on the last episode, he tweeted, he said, I, I did not see that coming. So I was really pleased about that. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. Preferably, I mean, either way. I, I just downloaded Made Fire, so I'm going to see what it's Good all man. about after this. Hell. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, you've been in the industry for a long time, 
Amen. And since Madefire is so digitally uh, heavy, have you moved your artwork to the digital medium, or do you still do pencil and paper? Um, I'm pencil and paper. Uh, I'm going completely traditional on the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. But um, what I find is once I've scanned the art, uh, there's a there's a trick. It, it, it's, it used to be that you did it with a mirror. So you'd pencil it all in, hold it up in front of a mirror, and you'd see everything that was wrong with it. Now, to save myself time, I sort of go in with all the details, finish the page, scan it, and then I'll flip it. And, uh, and that, at that point, I then start adi- adding some digital stuff because quite often I'll see the... Yeah. For, one, for whatever weird reason, our brains lean one way. It's like, it's like they're not straight in our heads. <laughs> and we can't see it unless you flip the artwork around. And, and everyone has this thing. It's very, very strange thing. But artists use the mirror trick or different ways, of, different versions of it to, to see what's wrong with their, with their stuff because it's like it's a real smack in the face once you do that. Um, so I'll flip it, fix stuff digitally and flip it back. Um, occasionally I'll do layouts digitally. So I'll do a bunch of different panels that are traditionally drawn, but then I'll piece them together uh, digitally. Um, this uh, actually this issue right now. I'm doing it double up because I'm I'm wanting to add even more detail if you can believe it. Uh, so I'm doing it twice up, which means that I'm I'm tending to do the pages on a couple of pieces of paper, two or three pieces of paper, and then stitching them together. But all the drawing is done um, is done traditionally. Uh, I, old Nicola Scott, she does a, a most amazing approach. She draws it on the back of the paper flipped. So she draws it right to left hmm. and then so it's flipped flops it yeah. and inks it that way and <laughs> fixes everything left to right. So wow. she has to think about all the costumes the other way around, all the storytelling the other way around and everything. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but it makes for this beautiful, perfect kind of looking art. You know? Wow. Very cool. Insane. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you. Um, you mentioned also you did some novels. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Novel, what kind of novels did you do? I have two published novels. One's called God Killers. It's it's got a short novel in it, um, two hundred page novel, which is basically a big fantasy novel. It's something I always wanted to do. I had an idea for this character and this bunch of stories when I was about twelve, but it took me a long time to finally write the thing um so that was published 2007 i think um and it's got a bunch of short stories at the back as well um quite quite a mix um probably leaning towards horror more than fantasy in the short stories the my more recent publication from two years ago is a book called um Paradise Rex Press Inc., um, which is, uh, again, it's another short novel, and it's a very, very strange book indeed. Uh, but I became friends with China Mievel, who's one of my all-time favorite authors. Um, it turned out he, he knew my stuff from 2000 AD, and I met him in San Diego and bought his book and just told him what a, a fan I was, and we turned out we were both fans of each other. So I, I worked on um, a short story in one of his books, called Looking for Jake. It's a collection of his short stories. 
and I did an illustrated uh, version of one of the stories. Uh, and we've sort of stayed in touch since then. But he, he's been uh, delightful, very, very uh, supportive of, of my writing. And he was, uh, when I sent him the Paradise Rex uh, press book, he just sort of read it in one sitting and sitting and sort of phoned me up and just said, I love, love, love this book. How did you do it? It's crazy, but I love it. Uh, and he wrote an afterword for me, which I had to wait three years for, but it was worth it. Um, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, I'm, it's a, it's an odd book because it's, again, I'm probably spoiling it. It's, it's kind of a meta book. It, it's, it's, uh, a, it, it pretends to be a book written by Andrew Wilmingott, this author from the 60s, and it's a lost classic of... Uh, of a type of art, of literature called or an art um, from from the British Midlands called beardism, uh, and it's to do with the industrial kitchen sink kind of heartland. Very very much um, the the changing of the the, the area. It's my hometown basically, uh, from from being a very working-class uh, industrial area to a place that was becoming slowly more cosmopolitan and part of the uh, the, the world at large. And it's also, I, I, I came from there, but I went to, uh, I won a scholarship to a, uh, to a, a private school when I was uh, 11 years old, uh, an art scholarship. So I, I came from a, a very working-class background and then found, my, found myself in Hogwarts, essentially. Um, <laughs> Surrounded by very wealthy people um, from very, very different backgrounds. Uh, uh, and it's an extraordinary sort of experience to go through that because you end up with a sort of foot in both camps. You, you, you have this empathy for both sides, but the two sides are, are so polar and different. Uh, the mentality of it is so di- different. There's a, the, when I was younger, particularly, and I think it's changing now, but it was still very much part of my youth. Um, work hard, take your wages, live in your two up, two down, terraced red brick house, you know, built in Vic, Victorian ages, and and, and be uh, be pleased with your lot. And then I find myself in a school where the exact opposite is the case, where these are the people that are going to be ending up running the big companies and running the governments, and do you know? who have a very sort of privileged and uh, strong sense of their entitlement in the world. It does kind of throw you through a loop a bit when, you, when, you, when you're so tied to both sides of, of that, you know, of that mentality. Um, so that book really was a very personal book. In, in, in many ways, it's uh, sort of biographical. It's about what it's like to be from both of those places to, to go, you know, it, it, it's not it's not an obvious autobiogra- autobiography, but a, a ton of the stuff in it was true. Um, it's the most honest thing I've ever done. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of. It's the most terrifying thing I ever did because it it really was my heart. Um, you know, if it was me bearing my soul on paper with no pictures to hide behind. <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's what I was going to ask with like God Killers and Paradise Rex and these um, novels you did. Why did you decide to go through novels instead of maybe a mini-series with comics? Because I've always written almost as much as I've drawn, you know, all my life I, I, I wrote. I, I think the thing with being an artist is people see that. 
-hmm. it's very uh, it's easier for people to see a drawing and go oh your kid should be an artist or give that kid a scholarship or whatever Mm -hmm. it's harder for people to spend the time to actually sit and and read the stuff that you churn out I just I spent years just churning out stuff that nobody ever read I don't even know where it is I mean just piles and piles (laughs) and volumes of like uh, you know me trying to be uh, whoever was inspiring me at the time you know there's there's a bunch of plays that were pretty much Woody Allen ripoffs and you know it's always it's always been something that that uh, appealed to me when i came to writing um god killers the the main drive was that i'd i'd read a lot of fantasy and i got to a point where i had i was starting to lose love for it because it wasn't very literate anymore and i'd i'd spread my wings a little bit and was reading God, all sorts of things like uh, James Joyce and Ulysses and stuff like that, and it was uh, it was uh, it was fascinating to me to be really pushing myself on a literate side, and then also loving these very mythical and big worlds. And I wanted to write something that had all those pulp aspects, but was aspiring to be something you know, at the risk of sounding pretentious, a little bit more um, you know highbrow. I don't think I achieved it in uh, Godkillers. Well, I think I came close in in Paradise Rex. Which, uh, I think that's that's nearer to that that kind of voice. I mean, the other thing about Paradise Rex was that uh, lots of I, I, my my wife's uh, half Irish, her dad's Irish, and he's an amazing guy. He, he's uh, we've spent hours and hours talking about you know the Torn and Cucullan and Irish mythology and a lot lot of the you know again Joyce and the Dubliners and those books uh, and he's a he's a real amazing he, god they should make a film of him he, he sort of ran off to tea when he was a 15 year old it was amazing he ended up in prisons in south america and incredible guy um i say prisons that sounds terrible you know he got drunk one night and sorry <laughs> 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 calm down you know um but he's got he's an amazing amazing man um uh, very inspiring but um, it was the realization that, like, Ireland has got a lot of people like Samuel Beckett and and, uh, and you know, again Joyce, people who write with the voice of Ireland. And then you've got Wales, you've got the, the same uh, kind of thing with with authors and poets that write with the voice of Wales. You know? um, and I was sort of realizing that the the voice that I grew up with as a kid. Uh, the, the the voices of my grandparents and my uncles and aunties and all of these people were disappearing. The the accent was disappearing. The the vernacular, the the, the funny sayings, the the mentality, um, and and that, they didn't seem to be a, a literature that represented a, a very specific sort of period from like the forties through to the late seventies. Of this type of voice of the Midlands of Derbyshire in particular, I couldn't think of anything that represented it, and I wanted to capture some of it before it was gone. Um, so that was also my attempt to do that um, with that book as well. Uh, another reason why it's sort of really personal. It's highbrow stuff. It's high saluting, sort of <laughs> reaching beyond uh, the you know. I, 
it, it's kind of outrageous that I was even reaching for that kind of stuff. But you, that's what you do, isn't it? That's what brings all of us into these into these places. If you don't give it a go, you, you never know. I've got one burning question on my mind. Um, have you ever sat down and talked with Grant Morrison? Because you seem to have a sort of mindset where you and him would be like the, the, the two best friends that never met until. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, uh, you know, Grant, I've been in the company of, and he, he, he's, uh, we never spent enough time together. Uh, he, I was always so intimidated by meeting him. He's got the quiet Scottish kind of like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a funny thing because I understand he's a real sweetheart. Um, there have been times when people have been intimidated by me and I'm a complete pussy. It's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> anyone who knows me finds it hilarious. Um, cause you know, I'm, I'm all about, I, I'm mostly known for hugging people <laughs> and just being a complete softy. Um, but I am a large bald tattooed kind of beast as well. <laughs> so, so it turns out I've intimidated people many times without ever meaning to. Thankfully, I think more people, I know more people now, so it's, it's all change. But um, I think that's the case with with, uh, with Grant. Grant, he's just, uh, he's so intense, you know, but he's probably not. Actually, the funny thing was, I saw him in San Diego this year, and we gave each other a big hug, and it was really nice to see him. Uh, and we had a very brief, very upbeat conversation, Um and uh, maybe it's me. Maybe I just need to chill a little bit. And uh, it, it's people who impress me. So they, I always lose my shit around them. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's one of the does that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, so, I don't think like, I'd ever. I don't think yeah. I'd ever be able to say a word to him. I just uh, he's written so many good things, and he just he's like the ultimate writer for me. So it just blow my mind if I ever it's, got to meet him. It's it's I, I don't think it ever changes. Talent is like really big talent um, is is hard to be around, and it's it's like when you hear a song that just it makes you immediately burst into tears or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's 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 powerful, and when you admire somebody, it's it's hard to it's hard to find your tongue. Um, I, I I think as well, you know, I, I I write and I love to write, but I'm not that known for it, and I don't think a lot of these people realise that that. Uh, that's a part of what I do, a big part of what I do as well, um, because it hasn't had the sort of exposure of, of, of a lot of these things. And I think sometimes, whether whether we mean to or not, it, it can be the case that artists and writers talk to each other in a very different kind of a way. I think me and Greg are different. I think because we bonded very quickly, uh, and, and we're very we're on so much of the same page. I feel I can talk to Greg about anything. You know? So. Well, um, I guess that that just means it's time to write a Wonder Woman annual for you. Yeah, show yeah. people your writing chops, and you never know. Maybe Greg will want to take a five issue break. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> no, I have talked about co-writing something with him. Um, I think it's steps. You know, I, I, I think yeah. I've, I've been doing a ton of stuff for the last. I've done it all the wrong way around. This is the crazy thing. I've been doing all the indie stuff while everyone was forgetting who I was. <laughs> having a big comeback, and it's like, you know, actually, I've got all this stuff that you, you should check out. Yeah. So oh, I'll come we'll back see. around. 
Yeah, we'll leave it on that note. Probably time to wrap things up. And everybody, go check out Liam's work. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot of it. So yes. you could yeah <laughs> you could throw a dart into the writing or uh, art pool, and I'm sure you'll find something amazing. I mean, yep. I, unfortunately, I haven't read anything you've written, but um, from an art standpoint. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. Like he said, you know, he had all this great stuff going on, and we, we're all just finding out about it now. Yeah. Um, but from an art standpoint alone, uh, you can take uh, the four guys' word for it, and I'm sure Liam's uh, that his artwork is some of the best right now. I mean, you've easily risen to the, the top five artists uh, in yeah. the industry for most people. I I, I wow. wouldn't be surprised. And, and you've been there all along. <laughs> and you've been yeah. there all along, which is crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, too, you know, and if you aren't already convinced about how swell of a guy, you know, he is, I mean, you listen to the rest of the podcast already. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't come off as uh, cool as hell already, then I don't know what's wrong yeah. with him. <laughs> well, the that future will see some Conan. One day. One day. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, thank Thank you. you. You're welcome to come back anytime, too, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Cool. Cheers, chat. Ooh, that lasso chafes. That's why they say the truth hurts, and the truth is we've come to the end of another episode. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to join us next week when Red hosts the game show night, and you get to play along as you listen. After the consolation prize is handed out to the guys, be sure to join us for an interview with special guest Jeff Vita. Till next time, keep the alternate facts in your pants, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs>